On this episode of the InsureTech Geek Podcast, lean, insurance, and building better products faster with Roy Mill from Joshu. The InsureTech Geek Podcast, powered by JV Knowledge, is all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. We'll be interviewing guests and doing deep dives into specific tech we see changing the industry. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. And we are back with another episode with me, my illustrious co-host, the most interesting man in insurance, Rob Galbraith. How's it going, Mr. Rob? It's going well, James, and uh, we're finally getting some spring temperatures here in Texas, so it's a beautiful day out here, and I'm sure it's uh, similar where you're at. Yeah, it's been great. I went and worked out at the usual 5.30 a.m. time and uh, outside the park, and uh, it was a balmy 66 degrees this morning at uh, 5.30 in the morning, so I enjoyed that. I've been... Uh, freezing my biscuits off at about 33 degrees every morning. So I'm, uh, I'm, ha- I'm happy to have warmer temperatures. So I'm not starting the day out frozen. It's uh, it is a welcome relief with us from a place that rarely has her horribly bad temperatures <laughs> from Menlo Park, California, our guest, uh, Roy Mill. How's it going, Roy? It's going great. Thank you. How are you doing, James? How are you doing, Rob? Thanks for having me. Doing great. We're glad to have you on board. Uh, we're going to, we're going to geek out with you. Um, before we geek out yeah. on uh, your tech, let's uh, let's just geek out on you for a second. We've had quite a few Israelis on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's either popular for Israelis to be an insure tech or popular in insure tech to be Israeli. I can't figure out what it is. But uh, whatever it is, we end up with a lot of uh, Israeli insure techs. Uh, you worked, like, like many of your um, compatriots, worked for the Israeli Defense Force as a, uh, in your case, as a programmer and product manager. So that obviously shaped some things around your, your life. And then you studied uh, politics, philosophy, and economics, nice, well-rounded education, and then got a PhD in, in the economics from Stanford. So what was the, what was the, the path, uh, you know, starting, uh, obviously, you, you had mandatory service in the Israeli Defense Force, but then... You know, what led you to study what you studied and, and your initial career? What was what was the story there? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, just a geek like uh, other geeks. The IDF uh, finds them and recruits them to do geeky stuff in the military. And I actually did like five years instead of three years. Had to sign up for different things to make it more interesting. And it was a really fascinating service. Um, in the end, I decided I want to move away from tech and all the software. And we're going to go and study something about how to help the world be a better place through economics and politics and philosophy. And uh, as a lot of other people from my unit and my co-founder in Joshu Shimi, who went to study film, uh, you know, we found our way back to tech. Um, you have this skill, you have this uh uh, way to make money and something that is actually you're pretty passionate about. Uh, but before that, I did this quick, uh, quick uh, five-year detour of, uh, of the PhD in economics. I was actually, um, you know, the plan was to become a professor of economics. And uh, um, in the end, kind of academia and I decided to part ways and uh, <laughs> found my way to product management, back to product management. Yeah, I mean that's uh, how it that's how it goes uh, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I uh, <laughs> I did a, I did a five year stint as an adjunct teaching uh, and and enjoyed it. Right. My current volunteer gig is on the board of a university, Texas Southern University. So I I, I have my involvement in academia, but uh, you know the private markets are are what really turned my gears, and I really enjoy that a whole bunch. And I'm I'm sure you're. It sounds like you're the same way. So when you when you actually got out of this, you know, not a slacking school. I mean, you went econ from Stanford. (laughs) 
you, you end up you end up uh, you end up going to one of my favorite websites, Ancestry.com. Like, what was the connection to genealogy and ancestry? That's a great question. I, I went out and started looking at tech jobs. And what was interesting about this specific role with Ancestry was that it, it needed someone who knows data, history, and software, something in between. And my, uh, a big part of my thesis was actually working with historical data from Ancestry.com. We borrowed data before they changed their terms of service to uh, prevent some of the um, data borrowing methods that we were we applied. And I knew the census very well and kind of matching records and a lot of that good stuff and bringing in some of the statistical kind of background and uh, was really helpful. We were basically tasked with helping folks find stories and all that structured data. You know, a family tree and all the records are super structured, a lot of rich data that's there. And people, a lot of times it's harder for folks to tease out what stories there are there. And when you use, you know, now with uh, the amazing chat GPT kind of advancements in large language models at the time, it wasn't as advanced, but a lot of narrative building um, and a lot of uh, kind of highlighting of, of interesting stuff that ha- is happening in your family history and you weren't aware of. So that's kind of what brought me there, did a few more roles there in other areas and the DNA data in the end. But yeah, that was a fun four years with, with Ancestry. Absolutely. What was your main takeaway from all that? Whew. That narrative data was at its infancy and was really going to explode onto the scene or what, what what'd you would you really pull out of that? Wow, it's uh, I haven't put enough thought into this. I think I think one one thing that I remember is just this really meaningful product that you're building. That was a really awesome feeling. Whether it's a story that you find, whether it's uh, something new about people's heritage and their identity, that was really important for them. Um, I love insurance conferences, but family history conferences when you go and talk to people and you get goosebumps from the story they tell you. That's something I, I kind of miss, uh, to be honest, but not to say anything about insurance. I sometimes get goosebumps from insurance as well. Just not, it's different. It's a, it's a rarer moment than, than you know, <laughs> people's family history. Family history is very personal. Of course, it's going to, it's going to naturally be very interesting. It is. So you, you went to be VP of product at Bay, which mm-hmm. we've, uh, we've discussed and talked about in you know news and things that Bay is doing. What led you to, to at Bay? Was it just a random job posting or did something about insurance really really uh, uh, pique your interest? Yeah, it was the contrary, actually. I was not thinking about insurance. I was like all the other people who are not in insurance who think insurance is boring. Um, but uh, a my college roommate from uh, back in Jerusalem, she was the head of people for at Bay, and she asked if I wanted to lead product management for the startup. And I you know, said, let's talk and found out it's actually super interesting, kind of combined my statistical econ background for the insurance side and the cyber side from the, some of the things that I've done with the IDF. So I was uh, very excited to join uh, the team and, you know, build the product, uh, you know, launch one time, two times until we got that traction, that zero to one, uh, you know, all the way to the point where we decided to kind of leave and start Joshu. And what was the, what was the, uh, the, the founding story of Joshu? There's everybody, and I know I, I've got mine for my different product companies and, uh, what was the what was the original thesis? What was it started for? Yeah, we we you know working on AdBay's cyber insurance product and 
you know, it's a non-admitted, at least was at the time. Um, you know, you're as fast as, as you want to be. You don't, you're not waiting for the state to approve your product. You, if you have an idea, this is how the questions I want to ask about the insurers. These, this is my underwriting model. This is some more data that I want to collect. You're as fast as your, as your team can bring those products to market. And we had a lot of back and forth between the insurance team um, and the tech team. So underwriters, a lot of times they want as much information as possible. And from a UX perspective, when you're building a portal, you want as you know the fewer as few as possible. And this back and forth, you know, we had we launched twice. The first time was a very long uh, application form for larger companies, then changing to small, medium businesses and much shorter applications. Each time it took a long time to do that, and we felt at some point that we're kind of getting in the way with us building everything custom and bespoke for this use case. And we said it must be a bigger problem than just AdBase. So how can we give our insurance colleagues at AdBay and beyond a tool where they can be more independent, where they can actually take their idea of an insurance product and configure it with that being uh, technical on the kind of software side and be able to launch it uh, with an end-to-end kind of digital distribution, underwriters, portals, or not portals, or desktops, workbenches, and have the whole thing kind of set up for them. And is it? And so what lines did you start with Cyber? No, we're pretty agnostic. We intentionally wanted to build it in a way that would fit uh, different use cases. We had a few kind of early design partners, some of them in kind of techie, you know, others in property, actually uh, solar projects and uh, things uh, in that nature. And that combination allowed us to build the, the platform to be kind of more agnostic. Obviously, you know, as you get to different product lines have different requirements and some of them are better fit and some of them will be able to kind of cater even better as we build on more uh, capabilities into the platform. But the idea is, you know, as long as the apply quote bind flow is uh, what you're looking for, we have uh, you know, a platform that's ready for you to build your product and test it out with the market. Great. Great. Rob? Yeah, I'm really fascinated uh, with kind of what you're doing at Joshua and, and your background. And uh, I, uh, at one point, considered uh, uh, going down the, the PhD path and, and never started uh, applied to some programs, but never ended up going down that path. So, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of curious. We'll have to talk offline sometime about uh, kind of, yeah. you know, what, what was it about academia that kind of led you down uh, this path instead as an alternative? But um, I just would love to kind of uh, maybe share a little bit more about Joshua and, and what does a week in your life kind of look like? Like, like who are you working with? Are you working with you know, tech folks? Uh, are you reaching out for you know, partner companies, uh, you know, doing product testing? I'm sure you have a lot of balls in the air. So maybe just give our listeners and, and viewers a sense for what a typical week is like uh, for you at Joshua. Yeah, and a typical week is now different than a typical week when we started. The nice thing about early stage is you start doing everything. You know, Shimi, my co-founder, and I even coded together when we were just uh, prototyping back in the day because we're just the two of us and selling and doing everything. <clears throat> we're very lucky to have been able to kind of bring in a lot of great people on the definitely on the technical side and the sales side, solution consulting. So my, you know, currently my my Actually, the last couple of weeks, most of my week is spent on fundraising. Uh, we're <clears throat> we're uh, reaching out, talking to different investors on our next upcoming round, um, and you combine that with uh, basically uh, you know blocking, tackling, helping people with the sales process, getting more customers on 
product discussions with the product team. Um, all it's kind of all around. But the nice thing is I can focus more. Recently, I've been able to focus more on the um, how to get the company to scale and to uh, get the funding and then the the teams and the vision. So, talk to me about this because you know, are you doing full policy administration, policy issuance, certificate issuance, underwriting, workbench, billing? Is it the whole suite? Yes, uh, billing. The last one right now is provided through a you know third third party um, integration, and a lot of folks have different. They've already have a relationship with one provider or the other, and we're happy to make that integration. But the policy admin system, we do get this question a lot of times: Are you a policy admin system? And there's uh, some overlap with this with the the new insurers that we work with. A lot of times, they would only need us, and they don't need the full. Uh, you know, policy admins, a full guide wire or a full duct creek for that. It's a kind of a small scale. We power those transactions, apply quote, bind, issue, endorse, cancel, and, um, <clears throat> you know, and they can, they're good to go. With the more established players, the, uh, they already have a policy admin system. That, that, the way that Joshu works is more of a product lab for their product team so that. They, you know, before they go and implement a long-term project with their policy admin system, they're able to test out the market, test the concept, see what works, what doesn't, and kind of scale from them. That kind of goes back to the lean insurance and lean carrier approach. Uh, try with a small investment, see how much you can de-risk in, the, in that new product idea, uh, product launch that you're planning, and see what you can get from the market to get a better product out there. So in other words, you'll, you'll, you'll actually... They'll, they'll essentially be running two policy systems until they decide to bring that line of business into their core policy system. For the established players, it doesn't have, again, we can work with uh, just a prototyping tool that you not actually sell real policies. We're happy to, the thing is, the big policy admin systems are work great for the, you know, standard lines. You get into specialty and get into some of those, uh, uh, you know, less standard lines and things become really long and, People are not getting their right love and attention, and it's not a great fit sometimes with that big platform. So they can run everything on Joshu, and we will have an integration through the policy admin system for accounting and billing and all the other, you know, reporting with the states, things that happen anyway on the back end. But at least on the front end, and the idea is not to have two systems that you have to configure twice, but one system you can configure really quickly based on what you get from the market, based on how you want to kind of design and work on that trade-off between underwriting needs and distribution needs, and then uh, send off the data back to the mainland when you have it. So initially it can work with uh, file drops, and then we can build an integration as well uh, to make sure that it can work, kind of it can scale. Yeah, we've, and we've talked to some folks in in, uh, in major insurance companies. They even have rules that if, until a, a line of business gets to you know, X number of tens of millions of dollars or $10 million or $50 million, they, they'll, they'll write all of it in Word and Excel. Like they have, like their company has a policy that they, because largely because of like decades of scar tissue building up at those insurance companies where they, they invest, you know, millions of dollars in technology spend ramping a product lineup. It doesn't work out or it's not a big enough market or they decide to pull out later and they just blew this massive amount of money on technology and so we're seeing an interesting evolution where companies are saying, hey, you know, actually we can manually underwrite this right. and, and write the policies and, until it gets to a certain size, at which point we can change the way that we're, uh, that we're writing this and do it with software. 
Are you, are you seeing that a good bit in your client base where they're saying, hey, we're going to prototype this product in Excel and Word? I, I do. And I think I see a lot of people sometimes say, well, we don't want, we don't like the concept of a portal because everything is very manual. And some underwriting is like, after 20 years in the industry, I feel like this should be $12,000 of a premium or $25,000. There's not even a rating model per se. It's someone just sitting there and having their expertise and building a great book of business, but it's very manual. And they end up spending a ton of time on very menial tasks instead of actually underwriting. And we tell them, hey, we, you can just, you don't have to have the portals. You can just use this as a way to streamline your underwriting. And, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head by saying, you know, home and auto, definitely a lot of premiums, small premiums, very automated, very standard. You get into commercial lines and different businesses, you know, the risk profile of a nursing home is nothing like the risk profile of a law firm, right? And the types of products that they need are really different. So you get into this matrix of what types of businesses there are and what types of coverages. And suddenly the premium, if you aggregate the whole uh, kind of matrix, it's a lot of premium, but in each cell, it's not a lot of premium. And if you start implementing those heavier policy admin systems on those uh, small sales of business is just not worth it. So that's where we come in and can be way leaner and kind of provide a solution there. Awesome. Rob? Yeah, Roy, I want to talk to a little more on this concept of kind of lean insurance, right? Because this is a, a new concept that I I haven't heard about. Obviously, I think many of us know about kind of lean startups. And, you know, uh, prior to recording, we were kind of chatting, right? And you talked about some of your favorite innovations and in insurance aren't necessarily, right, the use of AI or GPS, or whatever, but like the product innovation and, and obviously uh, Joshi like enables a lot of that in a way that there, there's ideas in folks' head. But, you know, we just touched on all the limitations. So maybe you can just expand a little bit more when we talk about lean insurance. Like, what do you mean? What does that look like? Help our audience kind of uh, understand like, hey, what are the types of positions or, or when folks are coming to you to see if you're a solution, what are they trying to accomplish? Great point. I, I There are a few ways to go about it. One first is to kind of talk about the problem. As, as James and you mentioned, it, it's uh, it's very long. It takes a long time to launch a product. And people are always, you hear other core systems say, we're the fastest. No, we're the fastest. And people measure time to launch. And People don't realize there's after the launch, usually a lot of times you launch, but there's nothing there, right? You open a, a bar nobody comes in. You open a pizza place. Well, I got the location wrong. I got the pricing wrong. I got, there's, you need to iterate on this concept. And, you know, the concept of lean startup and kind of agile uh, software development uh, have evolved in the software world where they had a similar, back when you had to burn CD-ROMs and, and diskettes and send it to people's, you know, or to stores, it's the same process. People have the same process because you have to go through months of development to close a version and testing and then send it off. And when the web came along, it made software so much leaner because you could change the, the web service, the, the software that runs in kind of for browsers in a in a second and everyone gets the latest version whenever they come on board so that kind of shifted people's mindset and said hey we don't have to cross all the you know t's and dot all the i's and make sure everything is there we can start small uh, instead of having everything figured out let's think about what is the core the hypothesis that we're trying to prove right if i'm launching a new management liability product and i have i have this concept of how am i going to distribute it 
why is it going to work through retail brokers or why is it going to work direct uh, if I'm going to sell it to startups or if I'm going to sell it to a specific segment? And you're thinking about, okay, how do I get this product up? I have an admitted product or I need another kind of specialized product for that. And you have this concept of, okay, I want to build this and I want to launch. And what we're seeing is in a lot of cases, you the concept is great, the dream is great, you launch and then you realize actually it's not exactly what uh, we 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 need the market isn't responding as well as we thought. You don't want to spend three million dollars on something that then creates zero premiums, right? And you know uh, that's just a waste of time. So the question is how to, how can you invest the you know the least in finding out if your hypothesis that you're going to sell management liability products to this segment is actually working? Um, if there are ways to build a simple product. And then uh, iterate on it, see that is the right distribution. No, that's not the right distribution model. Actually, we don't need 20 questions in the applications. We can do away with like 15. And maybe there's another data source that we can integrate and, and enrich our underwriting and, and get a better read on those risks. Um, and all that together, the question is how fast can you get there? And do you have the tools to experiment through this? Or is it something that requires a lot of committees, you know, intake process to get IT resources? You get them for three months, they go and they launch, and then you're on your own because you moved on to the next kind of project. Uh, so for us, this independence of the insurance product owner is super important. We want them to own this and to drive this and to do as much as they can without our help or the IT's help. Obviously, a lot of them are busy and they say, hey, you know, I'm also underwriting. This is a the product build out is something that I do on the side by 20 percent of my time. Can you build it for us? We're happy to help with that. But again, the concept is even if we do the setup, you'll be able to make changes or we're going to do it together so that you'll have, we really want them to have the tools and us to design the tool in a way that really matches what they need um, in order to think about innovation and uh, getting that next iteration out there. Very good. Let's, let's wrap up with this one question. It can lead to a, <laughs> a bigger conversation. Low code, no code, or configurable software. Can you explain the question? <laughs> <laughs> so I told you it's big. So I'm a, I've, I've been writing code, for a long time to 1991 i started with gw basic then i moved on to fortran pascal assembly c c plus plus then jumped into uh, asp asp.net c sharp mvc sql 97 2000 like okay so I, I did a lot of similar progression a lot of other people did mm -hmm. um the, the the longer i've been writing code the less code we write I mean, just in general, there's a lot more intrinsic functions. Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff's built in now. Right. We don't write. Mm -hmm. We write probably 70 or 80% less code than we used to because we don't have to. Right. We, we call a function. We call it. We call a service in Azure. I mean, we, it, it, thing, things happen for us now. Mm -hmm. the, the hot buzz phrase in policy administration, underwriting workbenches, et cetera, and just in, in product is low code, no code. To me, this concept is not new. Right. Uh, Guidewire invented a programming language called Gosu. <laughs> like a long time ago and you had to learn gosu and then you coded your product it just took a while it still takes a while mm -hmm. you know duck isn't that different um majesco is i mean so you, you either have a configurable system where you just configure variables um infinitely or you uh do something like some other companies I'll, I'll, they'll remain unnamed that that basically did a javascript variant and uh they built a low code platform w what do you think the answer is to uh, effectively service and spin up products 
Thank you for clarifying. And I think that's where you were going, but I wanted to make sure. I think basically what you're you're referring to is this there there's this trade-off between how simple your platform is and how powerful it is. Yep. You you want to make it simpler, you're you're like dumbing it down, right? Or you want to make it more powerful, you're like, okay, now that's how do I do this? And back to the econ, right? We all wanted to be economists or are economists. And we're saying, think of it as like a frontier between, right? Uh, remember when you're trading, what was it? Roses and guns or something? or uh, Guns and butter. Guns and roses. <laughs> guns and butter, right? <laughs> like guns and roses though, they make better music. And, <laughs> right. And the question is, you know, and usually what brings that frontier uh, up and to the right is tech advancement. And to me, it's less about code or no code, sometimes there are some platforms, you know, the more generic kind of no no code app builders, right? It's drag and drop, right? So it's, you didn't write a, a single line of code, but you need to really know how to drag and drop those elements so that it makes sense and they don't break. In the end, it's what is that learning curve that you need to uh, walk and how steep it is in order to be you know, to deliver value and how quickly can you deliver value and to us? That's the biggest kind of, I think there's, you, I, there's a tipping point because if you still need to be, it's low code, but still you need code and a lot of people are scared of it, right? So if you can get to a point where you don't even need the low code and it's really, you can measure your, uh, your, your platform, how well it does on self-service in terms of what percentage of product owners, insurance product owners can set up simple products, middle kind of complexity products and high complexity products. And I think that's for us, the product vision and the North Star outside of providing that kind of basic uh, transaction support uh, that can policy admin system like is that self-service um, uh, promise and vision so that people that are not technical from a code perspective, they're technical maybe from a Excel or insurance product perspective and, and language forms and things like that, they'll be able to use the system. If they want to dedicate the time, it's very easy for them um, and they can get from a simple product to, to their own product that is more complex than that. And we provide the tools to get there. Gotcha. Good answer. I think it's, it's, a, it's a really tough problem to solve. I, I think we have amazing people to solve it with. And, uh, you know, I, I usually invite folks to challenge us and see, you know, watch a demo, see if it looks simple enough for them. And then they're like, oh, this looks simple, but it's complex. Our rater is much comp more complex. And I tell them, challenge us and over your rating model, your product, and we'll see if we can build it. Sometimes we say, listen, this is, uh, you know, 50 states admitted products, uh, commercial auto, Probably not a good fit for us right now, but your dentist professional liability that you thought is super complex. We, you know, here it's done end to end flow in less than 24 hours. So um, it really depends on the use case. Um, in future, you know, we want to cover as many cases as we can in terms of our support. Obviously, the complexity levels yeah. kind of vary. Excellent. Rob, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, Roy, just quickly, you know, where can folks find out more? And then what's kind of on your roadmap for the next 12 months? Yeah, so find out more on our website, Joshu, it's J-O-S-H-U-I-N-S, like insurance, uh, .com. And that's our website. Social media, LinkedIn, we're pretty active there. Uh, that's a great way to kind of follow us and see what we're doing. So for us, the kind of the, the roadmap from a product perspective is, again, wrap up some of the policy admin system stuff on the edges, 
uh, the, the core is there. There are some things on the edges that we need to uh, complete and keep simplifying onboarding, make it easier from a you know, video instructional, uh, make the product initially simpler to work with so that it's, uh, uh, we deliver on that promise. And then once we have these two in place, I think there's a lot to be said about insights and how you use that data to optimize, right? The way to iterate and say from no adoption to adoption, it's pretty clear if things don't work, if nobody submits any business to you. But sometimes the optimization, yes, you're getting business, but people stop midway. And this question is really complicated and you can measure how long people take to answer this question and you know combined with your underwriting model we think this is what you can do better on this product and those kind of next level uh, insight i think are, are really great to optimize products and make them better that's great well thank you for coming on and uh, talking about this with us really appreciate it always good to have a chat about uh simplicity and the trade-off and this is like the uh, the fundamental existential argument in software the trade-off it between simplicity, the trade-off between simplicity and power. It's uh, it is. It's uh, <laughs> and any any software engineer will say they they have this choice between using a framework and bending it to what I need, or starting from scratch and just uh, throwing it away. Uh, so we're well, we're very yeah. nicely put. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to discuss. But uh, appreciate you being on to discuss it, and thank you for uh, the excellent conversation. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, James. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate it. it was fun geeking out. Yes. And uh, thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in today to geek out for our interview with Roy Mill from Joshu. This has been the InsureTech Geek podcast powered by JB Knowledge. That's jbknowledge.com. All about technology that is transforming and disrupting the insurance world. I've been your host, James Benham, jamesbenham.com, with co-host Rob Galbraith, endofinsurance.com. Thanks to Jim Greenlee, our podcast producer, and Kara Daltonaro, our creative producer. And thank you for joining us today. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech. So enjoy the ride and geek out.